Chapter five of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two, by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter five. Paris, October eighteen twenty one. The Ghost, the Invalid. I took leave of my mother and went to see my older sisters in the vicinity of Fougeres. I stayed a month with Madame de Chateaubourg. Both her country houses, Lascardet and Le Plessis, were near saint aubin du Cormier, famous for its tower and its battle, and were situated in a country of rocks, heath, and wood. My sister employed as her manager Monsieur Livoret, who had formerly been a Jesuit, and who had had a strange adventure. At the time of his being appointed to this situation, the elder Count Chateaubourg had just died. Monsieur Livoret, who had never seen him, came to reside in the castle as keeper. The first night that he slept there, a pale old gentleman entered his apartment in a dressing-gown and nightcap, and carrying in his hand a small light. The apparition approached the hearth, placed his candlestick on the mantelpiece, lighted the fire, and sat down in an armchair. Monsieur Livoret trembled all over. After sitting for two hours quite silent, the old man got up, took his candle, and left the room, shutting the door after him. The next day the manager related the circumstance to the farmers, and from the description of the spirit, they affirmed that it must have been their old master. But this is not all. If M. Livoret ever looked behind him in the forest, he was sure to see the phantom, and one day, having to go over a fence in one of the fields, he saw that the ghost had seated himself astride on the top of it. At last the persecuted man ventured on one occasion to say, Monsieur de Chateaubourg, let me alone, on which the ghost replied, No. M. Livoret, who was a cool, positive man, with no imaginative faculty, used to relate this story whenever he was asked, and always in the same manner, and with the same conviction of its truth. Shortly after this time I went into Normandy, along with a brave officer who was attacked by brain fever. We were lodged in a peasant's cottage, where a piece of old tapestry, lent by the owner of the estate, was the only partition between my bed and that of the invalid. Behind this tapestry they bled the patient, and to ease his sufferings plunged him into an ice-bath, and there he shivered in that torturing remedy, with blue nails, pinched and discoloured face, his teeth closed his head shaved and his long pointed beard descending from his chin and serving as a covering to his naked chest so thin and wet when the poor fellow wept he would put up an umbrella believing that it would shelter him from his tears if the means had proved effectual a statue should be erected to the author of the discovery my only time of relaxation was when i went to take a walk in the churchyard of the hamlet which was situated on a hillock my companions were the dead some birds and the setting sun there i used to think of my friends in paris of my early youth of my phantom and of those woods of combourg which i was so near as to space so far removed from by time i would then go back again to my poor invalid it was the blind leading the blind alas a blow a fall some mental suffering could deprive a homer a newton a bossuet of their genius and those divine men instead of receiving our profound pity our mournful and eternal attention might become the objects of a smile. Many persons whom I have known and loved have made themselves uneasy about me, as if I carried about me the seeds of this disease. I explained the chef d'oeuvre of Cervantes and his severe gaiety by this sad reflection, that in carefully contemplating life and weighing the good against the evil, one would be tempted to wish for any accident which might lead to oblivion, as a means of escaping from oneself. A merry drunkard is a happy creature. Putting religion out of the question, happiness consists in not knowing ourselves, and in arriving at death without having had the experience of life i brought my fellow-countrymen back perfectly cured 
End of chapter 5